Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your kinetic fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Boog. It's back down to earth for a bump for United as they follow up that first win under Millen with defeats to Shrewsbury and Mansfield. We ask if the Blues can cling on to the transfer window in January, whether that will make any difference and look ahead to this weekend's big clash with Stevenage. Once again, got there on the third attempt, didn't we, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> For those uh, wondering, I've been not been listening recent weeks. We've had a few issues with doing the introductions, basically in the new style that we've done it this season. And what we've noticed is there's a little bit of a gap between when I say I'm Lee Rooney and then either Mike or Dante's I'm Mike or Dan McLennan. And the, the funny thing is that. Mike had pointed this out that he'd noticed it with Dan and then said, oh, you know, I no issues of mine. And then every time he did it now, I'm like, there is a gap. And it really was doing my head in. <laughs> I was doing the intro. So we got there in the end, didn't we? That's the important thing. Yeah. Um, yeah back down to earth for a bump, I think, is the correct decision for the last week, isn't it, Mike? It's a bit of a reality yeah. check. On yeah, things. exactly. It was depressing listening on uh, Tuesday, like it really was. Uh, mm. I, I think you, you said yourself, if Dean Wallen can sound uh, depressed, it's uh, yeah. saying something. How dare they make such a great man sound so <laughs> downcast and yeah. jaded. Disgraceful. But there you go. Well, let's get straight into it, Mike. Uh, news-wise, there's only really one little bit, isn't there, in terms of... Uh, Things that have happened at Brunton Park this week. That's the festive period away tickets have gone on sale. Uh, so the club have announced deals for the festive away trips to Salford and Scunthorpe. Um, fair to say there's a contrasting uh, price structure for the two clubs, isn't there? Um, mm. While tickets for the Salford game could be bought for just £15, I mean, that's for seating and standing as well. I don't think there's any difference between the two. Um, the trip to Scunny will set back Blues fans an eye-watering £23 for adults. If you pay on the date, it's £25 as well. Mm. That's astonishing for league league two football, twenty five yeah. quid. It's 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 ridiculous. Exactly, uh, and you know, I mean, for me, been hungover on New Year's Day, I just want to throw up. And been in Scunthorpe, I'd want to throw up. <laughs> and playing twenty five pound for league two football would make me want to throw up. So probably yeah. not going to go to that one. No, I think it's fair to say we we did it a couple of seasons ago, didn't we? I think it was about my fourth or fifth visit, and it doesn't get any better. Does Glanford Park? I'm afraid it's. No. it's, it's Weirdly, it's one of the worst away. Considering it's only what thirty years old, it's one of the worst away events going. The concourse mm. is a disgrace. I mean, how they ever got away with building something that small? It's mm. ridiculous. But but there you go. So yeah, if Scunthorpe's not one we're likely to do. I'm going to be doing Salford. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to make it yet, mate. Are we? Um... No, I'll be working for that one. But I, I think it was a bit rubbish of the club just sort of saying they're on sale now. There was no sort of you know. Yeah, because Salford's one you'd think they'd have a bit of anticipation for. It's our first ever visit as fans. Mm. Obviously, the club played there last season, but with no fans there. I'd, I'd imagine it's probably likely to be a sellout. The Christmas games always yeah. tend to be popular, but to just announce it literally on the day that they're going on sale, not great in my opinion, but. But hey, ho, there you go. I've got my tickets, so I'm not really that bothered now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, right, let's get on to it, Mike, because we've got two matches to review this week. Uh, yes, so Cal United 1, Shrewsbury Town 2, and Mansfield Town 1, Cal United 0. Very much back to reality for United this week as the uh, league win over Walsall and the victory in the trophy we don't talk about was followed up with two consecutive narrow defeats in the FA Cup and League. I mean, 
when you look at Shrewsbury and you think the higher division, you'd expect them to probably come out on top. United really failed to offer any threat in the defeat of midfield mill in midweek and it was only results elsewhere that kept him out of the bottom two. At one point, we were dropping back into the bottom two, weren't we? But mm, I think Oldham yeah. conceded late on and that, that pushed them back into it. Um, the, the most depressing thing, though, is the fact that Shrewsby got a, a money-spinning tie and of all the ties to get for me and you, oh, I know. Liverpool away. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? Always going to Especially happen. Especially as, Mike, go on, tell the listeners what you did, what curse you put on it. Oh, well, I yeah, I booked third round weekend off work, uh, so it's all my fault. I take full responsibility for the defeat. So As you uh, should. We, we should have banned yeah. you from doing the pod this week for that, really. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> Dan wasn't available, so I didn't have much choice, did I? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a huge opportunity missed in that sense for the club, losing out on... A potential bit of extra revenue in January that you know could, could really make a difference. Um, mm. The major concern now, though, has got to be points in the league, hasn't it? United, the problem is we just look toothless, don't we? And it, it's bit not, nothing has changed since Keith Mullen comes in. We still look a toothless side. We look like a side that doesn't know how to score goals. That's the, that's the thing. I think they were sort of saying after the uh, Mansfield game that. You know, there's sort of there's positives there, and and you can say it's unlucky if you're sort of an optimist, but it's a trend, and it's it's sort of you know the thing that's happening every week, and there've been positives there isn't enough to keep you up. You need to be actually getting points on the board. This is the thing though, as well. Like you can keep saying that, but we're stuck in a rut, and getting out of a rut is very very difficult. Mm. It, it, it takes something special to, for a manager to actually be able to get a team out of a rut regularly. I mean, for, for all his criticisms, Greg Abbott, when he was manager, when we had a bad run of results, you'd always be able to dig out a result every now and then and then get us on another good run. Yeah. He always had a habit of doing that. We, we saw it with Chris Beach last season. He was not capable of doing that. He was great no. when things were going well, but as soon as things started to go wrong, he was he found it incredibly difficult to get mm. that team back winning again. Keith Millen's coming in... In a difficult situation because we are on such a horrendous run. T- to try and turn things around is is, is difficult. It, it's tough, and yeah, I mean, see how he will. Some people have been getting on Millen's back already and questioning. Like I've, I've heard a few comments of should he mm. go in January if things don't improve. But for me, the, the difference that you can see now from Beach is like clearly visible. You know, I, th- I think he just needs time to br- yeah. bring in his own players well, and do a little bit more. We'll, we'll come on to that in a bit because I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate on that one because I've got, still got a few concerns in that area, to be honest. Um, let's talk about the actual games then first, Mike. Uh, first up, the Shrewsbury game. I mean, as much as they're a team that are struggling in League One, I mean, you obviously weren't at the game, but you'll watch the, the highlights and, mm. and whatnot. Um, you could really see how much of a better side they were than us and what difference there is actually between a League 1 struggle and a League 2 struggler. They, they, yeah. I mean, clearly at League 1 level, they're going to struggle against the really good sides then. Yeah. but um, Well, I was, just gonna, I was just going to say, I mean, they've been mo- like moaning about the lack of goals and all that and they've mm. got Ryan Bowman up front and if Ryan Bowman played for us, it'd be the first name on the team sheet probably. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> he'd be starting every single week and... The difference really was they were that little bit more composed. They never looked on a massive threat after going ahead as well. They once they got the goal, you got the impression that they weren't really at full pelt. They were sort of sitting back, holding holding back on what they had, and looking to maybe hit us on the break when they got the chance. And 
knowing that we've got such a poor record in front of goal, they they never really felt like they mm-hmm. they were going to struggle, did they? Um, that first goal, it's just weak defending again, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's frustrating. Actually, when you look back at it now, to be fair, they get away on the left. And actually, if you watch Kelvin Meller, he looks like he pulls up or something, doesn't he? Because he does not track the runners at all. Mm-hmm. And, he, and it's not as if he's he's just walking back. You can see there's a little bit of a limp as he tries to walk back and the lag gets in. Ball comes across and there's still a chance to sort of deal with it. And the, the, the thing is, the shot comes in and it probably is going towards goal, but it's not going at full pelt. Mm. And Corey Whelan just sort of wafts a leg at it, doesn't he? And he pretty mm. much puts it into the back of the net. It's not an own goal in that sense because it was on target. But it's one of those ones you look, you think, if he gets a proper block in there, you probably get that ball away. Mm. It, it, it's it's a, quite a frustrating one, actually. Whelan's a weird one for me. For someone who's like pl- played so much football, mm. I'm kind of undecided on him mm. as to how good he is. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like it well, seems he's kind of not sure what his best position is either. I mean, he's he's played yeah. a couple of games in midfield and he's looked okay, but then he's played another midfield where he looked awful. Yeah, he's been okay at centre back at best. Really, he's, he's not yeah. set the world on fire. And at right back, I mean. The, the, we'll, we'll come up to Mansfield soon, but the difference when Kelvin Miller came on at Mansfield mm. to when Whelan was playing at right back was you know night and day in mm. terms of the quality there. So yeah, it's a difficult one. He, you can see there's a, a lad who's been trained at a decent level. Obviously, he's been in the Liverpool Academy in the under 23s there. But yeah, it's, it's, he needs to really pin down a, a position and really work out what kind of player he is mm. sooner yeah, rather definitely. than later. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously, yeah, that early goal was disappointing. But, I mean, that said, you know, you had chances, you know. Mm. I mean, the most guilt-edged one has got to be Brad Young. Now, I don't think you'll have seen this because it doesn't seem to have appeared in any highlights anywhere. No, but apparently rounded oh, the keeper. God, it was so frustrating because, basically, it, it was a weird one. He sort of nicked the ball off the keeper, basically, from what I remember. We're messing about a little bit and he messed up. And, and he did the the difficult work really well, Young. He got in there and he nicked the ball off the keeper and he went round him. Got to start the edge of the box, and if he gets his head up and has a look across, Justin Abrahams literally has an open goal to play the mm. ball into. And I mean, I'm not even over exaggerating there. Literally, he was pretty much on the penalty spot. There was no defender on the line. You play the ball to him. It's it's one one, game mm. on. And I don't know why, but he went for goal. Mm. And there was no, and the defender was right in front of him, and it was and it wasn't a difficult block for the defender. Mm. And you could see then, like when he when he actually got his head up and looked, and you could see his his, his shoulders dropped, and he was like. I've messed up big time here, haven't I? You could just see that on him, and it's it's a difficult one, and it, 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 it's a it, it's a really tough lesson for Brad Young at the moment. Mm. I said this before; he looks like an under twenty three player who still thinks he's playing under twenty three football. Mm. That's the big difference. He thinks he's got loads of time in the ball, doesn't he? And that's the thing, yeah. And it, it's become a bit of a thing. I mean. It's all good and well saying that we don't create enough chance for our strikers, but some of the good chances that they do get, Young is often the one who just doesn't quite do enough, you know. And he's a young lad, and it's harsh putting it all on his shoulders, in, like. But in a sense, I wouldn't say he doesn't do. I know what you mean when you say he doesn't do quite enough. I think one of his problems is he tries to do too much when he gets the ball, and he does really well, and he nicks the ball back or something. He works hard to get it. He then tries to beat three men. And you mm. think to yourself, get your head up, lay the ball off, and then make your run, and then you can re- receive the ball back. 
Mm. That's why he really has to learn. It's not like under, you watch under twenty three football. I watch a little bit of it occasionally. And, oh yeah, and it, and, it, and and literally, I mean, look at look at Man Parler scored a fair few at under twenty three level for Everton, and he looks mm. nowhere near ready for, for mm. football at our level, does he? He, he, uh, he, struck, he, he does, for me, he looks very, very raw. And, yeah, and I young, think that's the best way to describe. Young's it. a bit younger, so you can, so you can basically you can you can give or take a little bit with him, but he's gonna have to learn very quickly that mm. you can't just beat three or four men and score a spectacular goal because yeah. these are big, tough lads. These are lads mm. who yeah have been there, done that, and you know, on Tuesday night he was up against John Joe O'Toole, who, mm. who really has been there and done that. You know, he is a, yeah. a proper hard man at our level. So, you know, he, he he's going to learn big lessons, and it's one of those ones. We'll talk more about Young Shotty because I've got him down as a point to talk about later. But yeah, really frustrating one. Um, we'll talk about the protest actually in a second. I won't cover that just yet. Um, second goal. I mean, Brian Bowman. That's the difference, isn't it, between the two sides? That's a bit yeah. of composure. He turns on the ball as he gets into the box and just slots it away. Yeah, great finish. The most annoying thing about that goal, actually, is the fact that it, 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 Rod McDonald had an excellent game against Shrewsbury. He was really good again. And the one time he, he, he tried to nick in and get the ball, their lad showed a good little turn and got away from him. And that's the yeah. only, the one time in the whole game. It's frustrating. And we're not going to pick on him for that because at the end of the day, he was trying to play on the front foot. He was trying to win the ball so we could get on the attack again. It mm. happens every now and then. And there's still plenty of time to go between then and the goal. And it's just, it's just a good finish. Just yeah, frustrating. Definitely. At that point, you felt game was over. Obviously, Jordan Gibson scored a good goal, actually, late on. To be fair, really good yeah, turn finish. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with me, is we've had better chances than that that we haven't yeah. scored. You know, it wasn't that good of a chance, relatively no. speaking. But, no. he, you know, he put it away. And another assist from Mampala as well. Yep, yeah, well, give, give, give him credit there, yep. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Some of our long-range finishing has been poor this season. Some of the the decision making in terms of shots like that. In fact, decision making full stop is one of our biggest mm. issues. Yeah. The amount of time that we play the wrong pass or take the wrong touch and there's no thought into it sometimes. There needs mm. to be a bit more com- composure as much as anything mm. this time. And, and not only that, but players actually taking account because we, we, we've seen it far too many times where players are just sort of passing it to each other because mm. they don't want to be responsible if we fluff possession basically yeah. um, but you know it's good to see players take account and think right I'm going to have a go I'm going to try and win the game here you know yeah I mean Gibson is like that Gibson is the kind of player who just yeah, you know, t- try to take it by the scruff of the neck and I think in a better team he'd shine even more but it's, yeah. it's just the way they are isn't it but um, I mean, if you look at the stats it would actually suggest Shrewsbury might got a bit lucky and you know just just hit us on the break or something, and we we dominated the game. But actually, he doesn't really reflect yeah. on the game. We, we had some shots, but I mean, they, they, the keeper didn't have a huge amount to do. That, that's no. that's that's the, the brutal honesty in all of it, really. So sad, but there you go. Um, yes, so that, the one I wouldn't say it's a positive, but one of the things to look at from this is we've actually now got a free weekend in January. I think because Hartlepool got through to the third round, and we were due to play Hartlepool on third round day, so. That means from the Scunthorpe game, I think it's through to the Crawley game, I think it's on the 15th, because you're off that mm. weekend, aren't you? Yeah. We basically, we've got a two-week gap. I think there is a Peter Trophy game potentially in there as well, but I mean, let's, let's just ignore that for a second. Yeah. That's two weeks, basically, for if we can get players in, and if Millen wants to really stamp a style or a way of playing on this team, that's two weeks to work on it. 
Yeah, that's yeah. that's the way to, don't look at it as a negative now look at it as a positive right we've got two weeks on the training ground now where I can work these, these players solidly and get them into shape and get them playing the way I yeah. was playing that's the way we've got to look at that um, yeah definitely let's briefly mention the protest then Mike I mean a lot of talk before and a lot of uh, shenanigans on the Friday I think it's fair to say by <laughs> one of the protest organisers I mean it, pathetic behaviour quite frankly some of it Um in terms of the protest itself, I'm, I'm not against people protesting. I think it's the right thing. I've got a real issue with the, the tennis ball protest at the moment. One, because it's, it's just carbon copy of what Oldham done. It's not mm. nothing original, really. Um, two, if you're going to do it, make it effective. You need hundreds of balls going on the pitch, not six balls as it was. Yeah. Literally six balls. And it was like, <laughs> people were like, Shrewsbury were singing, what the effing hell is that? that yeah. That's how embarrassing it was. It was, it was not great. That It wasn't well organised. I mean, Considering who was organising and the way things were handled on the previous ones, it's not really a massive surprise it was a shambles in that sense. No. Um, re- 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 really, and, and, and two, I don't think we're quite at the stage where disrupting games is the kind of protest we're at. I think they need to, you've got to build these kind of protests slowly. If you're going to yeah, protest, definitely. don't go straight in with we're going to disrupt the game with tennis balls. Build up with your banners and stuff like that. And actually, the most effective thing they did was getting that banner out in the paddock. They got a, a banner out. I think, I think it was something like, get out of our club custodians fairly or something like that. I didn't say exactly what it was because I was sat in the B-stand. I would normally be stood down where it happened, but I was actually in the B-stand for a change. And and the, the club handled that badly, I think, actually. I think, mm. I mean, I know there'll be the usual, oh, it wasn't a fire retardant flag. I mean, get over it. Just, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a really poor excuse to say yeah. that. And then trying to drag two kids out because they were holding up a banner. And then the funny thing was they started chucking the banner to other people to hold up instead <laughs> and they got them dragged away. I mean, they're lucky some of the old boys were in the paddock that day because they would not have stood for picking on kids like that. No, and the problem is as well, if a, if as a club, you're going to say to Oldham fans, yes, no problem, you can put your banners up protesting against your owners mm. in the waterworks end. You can't grumble when Carlisle fans want to bring their own about you. Yeah. You can't. It, it's it's it, double standards. You've got to really get a grip on that for me. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're spot on what you said about sort of jumping in, trying to do too much too soon with protests and kind of needing it to be... Uh, I don't know, a bit more, you know, build it up slower. Uh, I I think because there's been these protests where they've gone all in and said, right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and it hasn't happened, and it's kind of delegitimised. Is that a word? I don't know. Uh, It's kind of, you know, delegitimised further protests kind of thing. And and the thing is, people people think they're a joke then because they try to go Mm. too big too soon and then they don't don't back it because, like, well... You were a shambles last time. That that's what happens. Exactly. You've, you've exactly. got to you've got to really think about these things. And also, my other worry is that some of the objects actually hit some of the Chiefs coaching staff as mm. the, when they were thrown at the pitch. There was bouncy balls being thrown as well, and I don't like that because you know people might laugh and scoff at this, but a bouncy ball landing on the pitch if it's not spotted, it's tennis ball's fine. You can spot it, but bouncy ball landing on the pitch, all it takes is one of our players to stand on it, turn mm. their ankle, and they're out for the season. Yeah. But yeah, have a think about these things, you know. But not only that, but I mean, chucking them at the opposition like staff that can land the club a fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I know they'll say, "Oh, I don't care." It's the owners and that, but like the owners aren't taking money out of this club. Like, that's something people need to realize mm. really quickly. Go and look at the club accounts; they're not taking money out. The club struggles to make money as it is, so you've got to think very carefully about these things. That we will touch more on this when we do our state of the club special, which <laughs> we are going to do in the new year now because we've got that free weekend. So yeah. we'll do it then. And 
it will cover the fact that I think people are, are looking at the wrong issue, I think, at the moment in terms of the owners because they're not the ones with the power at the club anymore. That mm. People need to grasp that. that mm. it's, the, it's the debt is where the power is, basically. I, 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 do, I do have to laugh, though, because the whole thing, when Philip Day sort of started flirting with getting mm. involved, in my head I was thinking, oh, he's a billionaire, we'll be in the Premier League within five years, it'd be wonderful. And all we got is a load of debt and David Holdsworth. <laughs> Yes, let's let, we'll talk about him soon, won't we? Because I've got a I've got a bit of run to have there anyway. But yeah, so that that's the Shrewsbury game pretty much covered. Um, got to give a quick shout out to our, our good mate uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny who sat next to me in the in the B stand, managed to break his seat. <laughs> He's, well, I had to say break his seat. It basically collapsed underneath him. It, um, that's not not to say he's a big lad or anything, but well, he I is. mean he is. But. Um, <laughs> But no, it's basically the, the state of the seat in the uh, the B stand. Basically, the, the the screws had rusted away. Essentially, <laughs> so, it's the, whole, the whole ground it's fallen apart. Oh, it's it's that the, again. That's another one we'll touch on on that yeah. special. I'm sure. Um, okay, let's cover the Mansfield game now. Then, Mike. I mean, ugh, once again, a dreadful start. I mean, I, I watch this on the iPhone. I think you were working, weren't you? So I don't know if you got to watch it or not. Um, uh, I was listening again. Yeah, you're listening. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny because I, I literally. I left the room for like two minutes to go to the kitchen and make a drink. Came back in and they scored, and I thought, well, that's that's a waste of a ten quid, then, isn't it? Basically, yeah. for the night. I mean, uh, it's just it's frustrating because we know we can't come from behind. Mm. That's the problem. So as soon as you, the opposition score after six minutes, you're like, well, that 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 kills any atmosphere amongst the away fans. It kills any belief in the players. It, it's such a it's a bad habit that we really need to get out of, isn't it? Mm, yeah, definitely, uh, and I think it's ingrained so deeply psychologically. I, I pity whoever's job it is to try and get them out of that. I mean, that that is in one sense why we need fresh faces in there, isn't it? Mm. People who who aren't tainted by that, who, yeah, and, and probably why we need more fresh faces than we originally thought. Yeah, <laughs> again, another one we'll, we'll we'll talk about in a minute. But I mean, it, it's just it's just poor defending all around. I mean, Corey Wheeland's defending. As a, I mean, fair play. Yeah, he isn't a right back in that sense, I suppose. But I mean, he, I mean, he was brought in there, wasn't he? Initially, the, the thought was that he was going to be cover at right yeah. back, but it's mm. he's, he's clearly not up to the job in that role. And McLaughlin should not be getting that much space to to head the ball on goal. Really, should no, def- definitely not. Uh, it's it's poor. Poor, poor defending, uh, you know. Again, because we sort of mentioned Wheeland with the. Uh, with Shrewsbury as well, and mm. yeah, I'm still not not sure on him. Mm. I mean, you also didn't watch it, Mike, but I, I genuinely would say the first forty minutes were as bad as anything I saw on the Martin Wilkinson area, the latter day Graham Kavanagh area, and mm. the final days of Collins. That that's genuinely how bad it was. It was yeah. awful. They, they switched on for the last five minutes, and they they had a bit of pressure, but I mean it. I mean, it, 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 there was just before that it was just total disinterest. It was. Mm. Dreadful passes, awful first touches, no real thought into what we were doing. There was no real thinking of like there was a game plan. It was like the, the early goal just completely knocked any sort of game plan there in the heads out of it. Mm. They, did, they just didn't know what to do. It was, it was yeah. really bad. Could easily have been two at half time, actually. It was a mistake by McDonald. I think it was not a great pass from me. He tried to take a touch and the player nipped in. Um, he got away on goal. Good save by Howard. And to be fair, some credit to McDonald. He got back. And got the block in on the on the rebound from that save, so did did well there. Second half was more effective, and, and, and some people say, "Oh, we played quite well second half," but it's still mostly half chances. I mean, Sam Fishburne with a 
good flick on header from a Dickinson corner that was cleared off the line. And Gibson hit the bar in injury time as well with a, a long-range oh, effort. One hell of an effort. Man. I mean, it would have been a brilliant goal if it had gone in, mm. but that's what we're, we're resorting to. We're mm. resorting to, we're hoping that Jordan Gibson can give us a bit mm. of magic or Sam Fishburne, an 18-year-old kid, mm. can, can dig us out of trouble. That That's not a great situation to be in at all. No. It really isn't. And once again, we're just toothless in attack. I mean, Millen's post-match interview, fair play, was honest, but I, I found it worrying. It was a suggestion that we didn't seem to know how we can get goals into the team. Mm. 13 goals in 20 games, lowest mm. scorers in the division. Mm. It's, I, I don't know where don't know where we go from here on that on that it's yeah it's <sighs> it's poor it really is and one thing to stand out this season as well that I haven't put in the running on here but we, we have no threat on set pieces anymore no not you, at you, all you never get when we get a corner or a free kick and you think oh we might do something here and I mean that v- go on as you should say vice versa whenever we concede a set piece I'm always thinking we're going to concede off this hmm I think we've got a little bit better at that since Millen's come in, to be fair. We, credit we have done since, like a little bit, yeah, but I just I'm not I'm not feeling assured. We I, I, I think we just we maybe lack a little bit of height, but we lack like aggression players like mm. just willing to attack the ball, you know. Yeah. So someone who's just gonna be an absolute bastard basically and say I, mm. I you I'm getting to this ball, I don't care what I do to you. If they give yeah. away a free kick this time, fine. Because mm. one time I'll get away with it. Mm. That's the key thing. It's just soft, and you know some of them don't beat the first man. I yeah, mean, and then you have you have that. I mean, the free kick from Dickinson at the end was infuriating. I know he's mm. maybe trying to play the low ball, hope someone got a, a slight flick on it, but it was straight at the keeper. Mm. It was an easy save, and you think loft it to the far post, get get mm. them challenging for the header. Fishburne was winning headers against their mm. defenders. Ah, oh, just everything about that. Anyway, so I mean, that's the Manfield game cover. There's not really much to add on that. Really, we, we covered quite a bit no. of the Shrewsbury game as well. Just looking at general points here, Mike. I mean, all the talk, and we, we've been as guilty of it as anyone has been of getting through to January and getting some players in. And originally, we said about two or three players, but I mean, as it stands, I think five or six we need. Mm-hmm. I think we genuinely need to change the app, change the core of that dressing room. The problem yeah. if you do that is. You're gonna to have to ship players out because you can't have a bigger squad anyway. Mm. And who's gonna take our players? Mm. You're probably gonna to have to look and think, "I'm gonna to to pay a few contracts up here mm. just to get people to move on." That's the thing. I mean, I think they said the other day that there is money to to spend in January. Yeah. Um, but who's gonna come but, in? Well, that's <laughs> who's the thing. gonna come in? We're about, it's not like when when Beach took over. At that point, we were still what 19th, weren't we? We were mm. a little bit away from trouble. Yeah, you could look at it as a player and say, "Okay, they're above the relegation zone. We can get ourselves." up the table here potentially that's mm. the way they'd look at it wouldn't, isn't it mm. exactly yeah it's uh, we're not an attractive prospect right now but for you know we we can't go down the young kids on loan route either we you know we need experienced heads yeah i mean i mean you know it's something that we've said before that you know the players that paul simpson brought in you know, when he first took charge, are exactly what we kind of need. But the, I'm not entirely convinced that those players exist. So uh, it's, much not, it's not even so much that they exist, but it's 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 a, the football landscape's changed and the circumstances changed. Mm. Back then, you could get those players in in a couple of months mm. loan, or you get them in during the season, and mm. you know, so that you didn't have the transfer window back in 2003. Mm. You've got that now, so you're basically relying on getting half season loans or players on the contracts paid up or leaving clubs and. Mm. It, we were able to gradually build that squad up here. Here, we're going to have to get these players in and go straight from it. 
Yeah. Because you think it was one by one. It was, you know, you had, first you had um, Henderson come in, then Arneson, and then I think Cowan turned up and Gray. And yeah. Priest eventually came as well. So it was bit by bit that squad was built up. Mm. We're going to have to go for all five at once, really. Yeah. I mean, realistically, if, again, we'll talk about Holzer in a second, but if he's worth his money, he should be getting these players ready to be signed up two days before the transfer window opens. Like yeah. we did with Elliot Watt. Elliot Watt signed before that Walsall game we went to, didn't mm. he? Yeah. He was there at the game. So that, that's what we need to be doing. Mm. That, that, yeah, I mean, it terrifies me that we're going to get into like a, a week into the January and we still won't have signed anyone. I mean, that's I think me. our, our bet really is players who sort of uh out of favour at like mm. maybe like a League One club, maybe. Maybe a uh, championship. Yeah, like sort of an experienced pro who's just kind of out of the team. And we can say, look... We'll, we won't pay a transfer fee, but we'll take them off your wage bill. And we, we can agree those terms right now and have them come through the door on the 1st of January. That's I what mean, we should be doing. I mean, would, would you maybe look at a Cumbrian-born defender playing in the Championship who's not played much this season at all, possibly? I don't know. Just, I mean, just, just if, you, if, you'd ask me, if you'd asked me a year or two ago, I'd say, hell no, but we're desperate, aren't we? We, we I mean, really I'd, are. I'd have Paul Huntington any day mm. of the week at this club, really. Do mm. you a, a massive upgrade won't be got. I mean, the issue we've got, as we mentioned before, is does Millen have the contacts in the north as well? That's another big concern that everyone yeah. seems to have. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of Millen, let's get on to it now because obviously you've, you've defended him a little bit at the start. Um, we, we talk about giving him time, letting his bring his own players coming in January, but he's not had much of an effect so far, generally. I mean, what? We're tighter at the back, but all that means is really we're losing games by one goal instead of mm. by two or three. We're not winning games. We're not looking anywhere near close to winning games. That that Walsall game, let, let's look back at it now. That was a bit of a fluke. We, Walsall massively did not turn up. That's the reason we won. We didn't win because we played well. We won because Walsall didn't turn up and we got a scrappy goal. To, well, say scrappy. It was a good pass in, but it, it, it was a bit of a, you know, launch it and hope almost goal at the end of the game. Mm. And Walsall were, were, were dreadful, like, to be fair. They, they were interested. That's mm. where we got a result there. Yeah. We're not winning games by that. I mean, we've had no new manager bounce, four points from 21. How long do you persist? I mean, let's say, let's say we go, we've got, we've got Stevenage this weekend, haven't we? We've got Bradford. Let's say we don't win against Stevenage. Maybe we draw against Stevenage, okay? We get beat by Bradford. We maybe get beat by Rochdale and then probably lose at Salford. If, if he gets like one point for the next four games, do you then say to him, okay, we're going to give you January to bring your own players in, even though you've only picked up what? five points from a possible 33. Or even if he gets one more win in there, that'll be eight points from 33. What do you say to him? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you January. That, that's where you're gonna have to, we're going to have to start asking a, a question there. Like, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is when we got him in uh, and the sort of final shortlist was Millen, uh, Keith Hill and... Uh, Darren Saul, I think. Well, was I'm, the... not, I'm not sure he was actually on it. I think there was a bit of a mischief there. Maybe I don't know, but yeah. Uh, but either way, there's been previous times when our manager job has been up for grabs, and there's been good names like linked mm. with it. Like, like th- those were the three that were sort of heavily linked with it. And you know, previous years when our manager's job has been up for grabs, there's been pretty strong candidates linked with it, and we've gone in a di- different direction. Who is going to apply for the job? If 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 we were to sack him, there's, there's always someone out there. That but this is the thing that there's always going to be people. I mean, 
put it this way, right? I'm just looking at the the, the form table right now. Well, obviously, Scunthorpe got Keith Hill instead of mm. getting. Obviously, we instead of coming to us. I mean, they're one place above us in the form table. Same number of points, mm. but they've basically only lost two of the last six. They've lost two and then drawn three others. And that includes a draw against Leighton Orient and a draw against Bradford, teams you know, higher up the table. Mm. So they've, they're grinding out results in that sense. They've, they've basically, no one's kept a clean sheet against them in essentially the last six games as well. With them looking here, well, I can see four clean sheets kept against us. In fact, mm. five, sorry, because Barrow did as well. We've only managed to score in one of the last five. They've scored in all six. Mm. So they're, they're getting the odd goal here and there. And you'd imagine they'll probably get a couple of players in January. Mm. I, I feel like they're going to start to catch us up. I think mm. we're relying on basically Barrow dropping like a stone as well. Yeah, we are. Right uh, now. Uh, and Oldham struggling to get themselves any sort of results. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're dependent on other teams to do terrible rather than us to uh, really yeah. turn a corner. So, I mean, this is, one, this is one for our listeners. I'm playing devil's advocate here, but... What do you do if, if this form keeps up until January? Do you stick with Millen or do you cut your losses, have a man lined up right now and basically say, like, come, come the end of the month, sorry, Keith, it just has not worked out. We're cutting our losses here. And then basically go and get someone in really quickly. So basically have someone like a Paul Simpson. I'm saying, right, you're coming in. Who are you going to bring in as players? Let's get them in now. That's the, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm completely playing devil's advocate here. I'm not necessarily saying... Yes, sack him now. But if this form keeps up, you'd ex- I mean, I know we've not got a great squad, but I, I just, I don't know. He's made us tighter, but I, I don't see the improvements. And I'm, and I'm just not so sure that that would necessarily keep us up more upheaval and maybe not all the rest of it. Maybe not. Maybe I'm being harsh. I mm. don't know. But there you go. Um, right. Well, let's move on to the, the, the bit I really wanted to talk about for a while. I mean, Holdsworth. Where out thou Holdsworth, eh? <sighs> Silence. That's what we've had from him. Silence for nearly two months now. The mm. la- I had looked this up. The last article he did on the official website was on the 15th of October. Now, he did. He was quoted in, in Millen's uh, announcement, which was, a, I mean, a week and a half later, I think, after that, maybe. But that was literally just a quote in there. That wasn't, you know, the bog standard. Great yeah. to have Keith in, blah, blah, blah. I used to play with him, blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen him for years. Yeah, okay. Um <laughs> And, and, you know, but, but the last article he's done on the official website, and it was something like, I understand the frustration of the fans with the title of it, was on the 15th of October. Mm. Co- come next Wednesday, that'll be two months since he last spoke to the fans that way. And I know mm. that the, the media have been asking for an interview with him, and mm. he's not forthcoming. What, what's mm. he up to? Why has he been such a coward? Why won't he speak? Yeah, Why won't he front up to the failure of his recruitment process in the summer? And yeah. that, that's essentially what it is. It's, it's incredibly frustrating, the fact that he, we're not hearing from him. I mean, interesting comment that uh, Nigel Clibbage revealed in one of his updates last week. Nice to have some, someone from the club at least speak in, in that sense and give us an update on how things mm. are going. Um, he revealed that the playing budget was up 22, sorry, 20%. That blew my mind. <laughs> and yet we've got an absolute shit show of a squad to show for it. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't... I, it really calls into serious question... Holds with supposedly brilliant negotiating skills that we all hear about. Mm. You know, Clough and Abraham's supposed to be on a decent wedge yeah, for definitely. that, and, and they've not been two up to Two-year deals as well. Not been up to it. Both stuck with them on two-year deals, those two, right? New deals for Guy and Mellish, which 
look more and more ridiculous as each day yeah. goes on. You might talk about protecting assets, but they've also got <sighs> to earn it. Mm. I mean, Melish, he, well, he got, by that point, maybe one or two goals with it or something. Mm. He wasn't playing in anywhere than the same way. He'd shown that he, he's shown now that he basically isn't capable of playing in midfield too. That's not his fault. Yeah. He's all right in a midfield three because he's got a bit more freedom to, to bomb forward and stuff. But midfield two, where he has to be disciplined, you don't get the goals from him. And that's the reason you've got him in midfield. Yeah, it's to exactly. the point where you might as well play him up front. <laughs> we'll, yeah. and we'll, we'll cover that. We, we, we said that in jest, but it happened on mm. Tuesday night mm. against Mansfield. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, if that 20% figures you, and I have no reason not to believe Clibbins, and it'll no. appear in the accounts, I'm sure, when it comes to it, right? Then the offers made to the out-of-contract players in the summer look even more ridiculous as well. That 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 makes it look even more stupid. Mm. I don't know what he's supposing master plan in all this. I mean, offering a one-year deal to Farman. I, I know people say, oh, well, Barrow is struggling down near the bottom. Yeah, but he'd been our keeper. He'd been consistent. There's a bit of continuity there. The whole back five is gone from last season. Mm. The first choice back five, yeah. you'd argue. I mean, Armour, you may be saying possibly, but wasn't really first choice, was he? Uh, well, not going into last season, no, but, you know, Coming out of last season, he, he sort of was our first choice. But yeah, it's uh, not only that, but I, I'm still baffled by the trigger and Jimmy Torres one year. You know, is one year. I mean, that, that was trigger. a weird one, and I don't know what Beach was thinking there mm. and why. Quite why Halter have agreed to it? Surely, uh, that's why a director of football should be questioning your manager and saying, "Hang on a second, why are you triggering this deal when you've barely played him for the last few months?" Yeah. What's the thinking behind that? You're, you, you, you're basically restricting your budget. And sometimes you find with these triggers as well, there's, there's sometimes a bit in there where they say their wage will go up slightly as well. So mm. that can potentially affect the amount of budget you've got. I feel like Tory is maybe one of them who is like incredible at training and will maybe scared that if he went to another club, a, another manager might unlock... Well, don't, don't have that fear and then actually play him. Mm. Don't don't then just do it and then not play him. It, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's nonsense, isn't it? That happens. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's frustrating. I mean, he, he'll, he'll bang on Holdeth about the fact that, oh, you know, we've developed all these players and sold them for a few shekels every season or something to keep the club going. And what a great job I'm doing there. But it would not be funny, but if we go to the league, mm. buy, buy your academy in two years, you lose all the funding. Because we mm. will not come back at the first attempt. No. I'm not. No in, way. In the current setup, we would. We would we would fail mis- we'd be struggling in the bottom half of that division mm. it was it was weird when, when we went down last time I, I just I knew we'd, we'd bounce straight back yeah. I, I, because like, we had even, the momentum it, but even, even when we slumped down to like 13th or whatever it was like I just I, I knew like we'll be back yeah because we had experience fine. heading there and we had the momentum we yeah. don't have that now no exactly we don't and yeah, it's getting to the point where he needs to front up or more ideally ship out, to be honest. Mm, he's, yeah. he's been a failure. He's not a director of football. He's a, He basically should be some like football contracts advisor. That's what his title should be because he's not a <laughs> director of football. He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't seem to have some sort of game plan of the overall structure of how the club trains and how the club coaches and things like that. He basically just sorts out the contracts. Well, not being mm. funny, but Nigel Clibbins can do that. Mm. I mean, he he's the one who sorted out that twenty percent selling clause for Sam Cosgrove, mm. who was going to leave the club at the end of the season anyway for free, mm. and got us cash for him. We could give him the role, Carlisle United negotiation sir. Uh, which... uh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> don't 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 spell it out. <laughs> Everyone knows what the initials of that is. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and it's a very accurate uh, set of initials. Um, <laughs> yeah, he basically at the moment he's the one taking us into non-league football. 
Yeah, and the thing is, do you reckon he'll get sacked if if, if we go down to non-league and we've still got this debt today, and he's you know the one keeping nine things? No, well, it'll, be, the, it'll be other people mm, at the club who lose their jobs. Yeah, you know he, he absolutely should be, and yeah, like you say, if we do go down off the field staff, there's going to be redundancies. People yeah. are going to lose their jobs, and it's all because of his failure. Yeah, it's astonishing, isn't it? It's. Uh, I need to stop talking about him because it's just going to make me really angry for the rest of the day. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I don't think we've got any more to cover in terms of the the, the review stuff. Maybe a couple of points there, but I've, I've mm. gone on for too long now. I think so. Uh, let Let's move on. Let's go into the preview section and talk about uh, what is now a massive game this weekend. We're back for part two, Mike. Uh, just a reminder to everyone, obviously, you can subscribe to the podcast uh, on all good podcast apps. So Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just search for Project Bugle, click subscribe, and whenever you get the podcast, whenever one comes out even, it'll come straight into your uh, little inbox on your, your podcast app. Um, and obviously review us on those podcast apps if you can as well. Five stars would be lovely. Um, and obviously you can follow us on social media. At Brunt and Bugle is our Twitter handle. Um, search for Brunt and Bugle on Facebook. We're on there as well. And we also post on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group, which is a fantastic group, really worth joining. And I would recommend anyone sign up for that. And uh, obviously as well, the net message board. And if you want to use the old-fashioned email route, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Uh, just a reminder, uh, this season, the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Cali United Sports Club London Branch. Uh, the London Branch is open to all Cali United fans. They've got members from Com- Cornwall sorry, to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and, of course, every part of London and the South East and Cumbria as well. Uh, they regularly meet up on away trips and they also arrange many social events and sports games and do fundraising for the club. Uh, they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the previous section of the season too. You can find out more about London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. And now I'm just digging out because uh, I got sent over the pub for Stevenage. Let me just tell you what it is. The pre-match pub for Stevenage is uh, it's, it's our mutual friend, which I think is one I've been in before. It's a nice little pub that it's on Broadwater Crescent in Stevenage. And the postcode, if you need that, is SG28EH. So that's where the little match will be drinking before the game. There'll no doubt be quite a few of them there for this match. Um, yeah, uh, we, we normally have the catching up with the opposition uh, podcast bit here on the show. But unfortunately, I haven't had time to arrange it this week had a very very busy week i've got a tumble dry arriving today so you know yeah that, that's a, a short proper adulting that isn't it really someone's um, doing well with all the donations people have been making. <laughs> very good very good uh, if only if only um yes yeah, so yeah this weekend's game obviously steam steaming is away down at the lamex stadium as it's known for Sponsorship reasons, it's Broad Hallway, was originally called, of course. Uh, referee is Declan Bourne from the East Midlands. It's his second season as EFL referee. He's taken charge of 14 games so far this season, handing out 57 bookings and two red cards. He last took charge of a United game for the 2-1 home defeat to Forest Green Rovers last season, in which uh, Bennett and Riley were booked. I mean, that, uh, that game all just stri- sticks with me because it's, it's one of those ones where it was kind of like, ooh, maybe we're not as good as we think we are. Because that was the the start of the bad run, wasn't it? I think because we we'd beaten Exeter the weekend after the co- little COVID yeah. break, and then we'd lost that game. We were like, oh yeah, 
Forest Green are a very good side, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, mean, well, it was one of them. It was, are they good or are we not so good? You know. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, well, let's let's cover the classic clash now then, Mike. I mean, is there any other game I could have picked for this one? You certainly couldn't have picked that away trip that you and me made a few years oh, ago where God, we lost that, like 3-0. That, that was awful, wasn't it? That was dreadful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going back to one of the most important results, I would argue, in United's recent history, last 20 years today, as we remember the conference playoff final at Stoke City's Britannia Stadium back in May 2005. I mean... They can be no doubt, Mike, can they, that this was a, a proper sliding doors moment for the Blues, wasn't it? Returning to the football yeah. league. And the first attempt it gave the club a real sense of momentum that would eventually result in the League Two title just 12 months later and return mm. to third-tier football after an eight-year absence. I mean, it could have been so different had the Blues not got promotion that season as evidenced by how many how the National League these days it basically resembles a graveyard for previously long-term EFL clubs and yeah. all of them fighting to get back up and part of the 92 club. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a real stark warning, isn't it, to to the club right now? It's yeah. To, it's to the risk, because I think, actually, it was easier back then to do this than it is now. It, it's oh, much yeah. more difficult now. I mean, I mean, you think of some of the clubs in the National League back then, like Lee RMI and Northwich Victoria. Yeah, like, I mean, you've got smaller clubs there now as well. I mean, you've got your main yeah. heads and your, you know, Wilsons yeah. and people like that. But even so... There were some very small clubs back then. Clubs that yeah. had been there for years and just sort of locked their fan base had dwindled some of them, I think. Mm. And and it would you know, it was it was quite evidence as to how difficult it would you know, it would be now. I mean you're looking at it like so you're looking at it now. What have you got there? South End, Grimsby, Chesterfield. It's a, it's a very southern league. As Re- Chesterfield, well. Wrexham, um, North County. Mm. I mean there's five off the top yeah. of my head. I haven't got the table up, so I can't really tell you, but I mean it tells you how difficult it will be if we go down. Because mm. we won't have big money either, and some of those clubs do. Yeah. I mean, Grimsby have done quite well without big money to, to keep themselves up there for a lot of seasons, but they've started to have a few duff results lately, and it, it, it would be incredibly tough for us to get yeah. back out of that league. Really I mean, I mean, I mean it, was ne- it was never particularly easy. You know, we no. were one of only a few teams that actually bounced straight but back Us and Shrewsbury did it two, year, two years in a row. There was two teams, other, us and Shrewsbury, that managed to do it. And yeah. then after that, I don't think there was another one for quite a while, actually. I think Bristol Rovers might have been the next one. And yeah, That was a yeah. long way down the line. That was yeah. a good 10, 10 years or so, I think. Mm. Um, uh, and then you look, I mean, Tramway went down. You went, when Tramway went down, I thought, yeah, they'll come back first first time of yeah. asking. No bother. And it took them a couple of years. Yeah. It was tough for them. You know? and, and the playoffs are never that easy at that level either. So it's, you know, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Um Backed by over 10,000 Blues in the crowd for this game. It was a crowd of over 13,000. United started yeah. We outnumbered brightly, them so we? much, don't we? It was something, I think we, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, they said on board TV, we, we outnumbered them three to one. I think it was more like four to one, to be honest, in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, so backed by the crowd of 10,000 Blues. Um, United started quite brightly, actually. Derrick Holmes had an early shot on the turn that was saved by Stephen his shop, uh, stopper, uh, Julian. Um but halfway through the first half, that was when the decisive goal came. Um, Tom Khan's throwing came back up out to him on the left and he took a touch and he sort of clipped a crossing, wasn't it? It was a very sort mm. of measured cross. It wasn't just like, I'm going to hoof it mm. in. He was very measured, perfectly found Peter Murphy. He just unmarked, nodded the ball into the bottom corner. But he's, he's, Murphy still had quite a lot to do. Like oh, the, yeah, the, the, good There header. wasn't sort of the power in the, in the cross. Murphy yeah. really had to redirect it and put yeah. a bit of power behind it. And he placed it brilliantly as well to, to head it yeah. down as well to make it difficult for the keeper to get to. 
Yeah. It was a great header, really good goal. I mean, I, it's difficult because I haven't got, I'm sure there's a, there's a copy of the whole game somewhere available to watch, but I've seen it watch the highlights, but from memory as well, I never felt like we were going to lose this. No. Once we scored, I thought, yeah, I'm quite comfortable here because, I mean, we played them twice in the season and they'd, they'd beaten us on both occasions 2-1. I remember yeah. famously Kieran Westwood was in tears after the game at down at Broadall Way, wasn't he? And that yeah. was the one where they, I think, it was either that one or the home game, wasn't it, where their players were all banging on the dressing room, yeah. our dressing room doors. They went back to theirs after the match. Yeah. And Paul Simpson made a point of saying, right, you know, we, we, we need to get one over these lot at the end of the season. Yeah, and by all accounts, after this game, the players asked Simo, can we bang on their changing room door yeah. and rub their noses in it? And yeah. Simo was like, yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> and Graham uh, Wesley was fuming about it. Well, you know, more, normally, you know, you'd think a player fight, you wouldn't do that, it's a bit harsh, but the way they behaved in those games, quite frankly, I didn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite happy for it to be bad sport in that sense. Um when they offered a little threat, there was a couple of, uh, of efforts. Um, Glenn made a couple of smart saves, but I mean that was that was about the extent of the pressure they they put on us. Um, mm. This game will also be famous remembered for the fact that it could have been two, well, should have been two 0 shouldn't it? Yeah. In injury time, their keeper comes up for it. I can't remember if it was a free kick or a corner, or maybe in a throw in. Got nowhere near it, and we got the ball away on the break, and Vieira got it, and he ran <laughs> pretty much the length of the pitch. Yeah. And all he had to do was get his head up because like, the defender wasn't even blocking the goal. All he had to do was just quickly slot it. And he never, ever got his head up. He just kept running, running, running. Never looked to see there was no goalkeeper there and got fouled. Mm. I mean, to be fair, their play should have been sent off. Yeah. It's only because it was the end of the game. The ref was like, oh, what's the point? You know, he's putting more misery on the lad. Yeah, exactly. And, and basically, Vieira then looks and he sees his play scream and says, why didn't you shoot? And he looks across and sees there's no goalkeeper. And you... If you look at the foot, you can see his face like, oh no, I could have been the hero, I could have got well, the goal. And... Well, I think like while he had the ball, he half looked up to see yeah. where the keeper was and see where to put it. And he couldn't see the keeper, so he didn't know where to, where to put it. Yeah. Well, he couldn't see the keeper because he wasn't there. He was yeah, exactly. 50 yards exactly. behind him. Exactly. Um, free kick then, obviously, he was given and, and Lummy just launched it into the... I mean, he could have had a goal, couldn't he? He should have just levered it towards the yeah. top corner. But... I think he scored a couple of free kicks that season, didn't he? Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. one of those ones you think he should have had a go, but he, he decided to give a, one of the fans a present, didn't he? And he but it's he... really funny that, because if, if, I've, I've shown that to a few non-Carlisle fans with no context whatsoever, yeah. and it just looks hilarious, this player yeah. just hoofing a free kick into Rose's head and then, head, up, and then absolute away. limbs from everybody. Like... And then him running away with his arms going like <laughs> yeah. he's scored the winner and yeah and you could you could see that their defender like when he hits it he's like why is he done that and he's like yeah. oh that's why the whistle's gone yeah and, but yeah so obviously back up to league two at the first attempt and, and they had a good side back there. i mean george boyd was the, the standout player for them wasn't he he was probably one of mm. the best players in the division and mm. went on to have a very good career so so yeah they obviously got up eventually stevenage a few years later and they went up as champions didn't they so um yeah so yeah there you go that's uh that's our classic match. I mean, looking at the, quickly at the lineup that day, I mean, it's, it's a strong side, isn't it? It's a very yeah. strong side. Peter Murphy There's... playing in midfield as he did back then. Yeah. Obviously, got won us a fair bit of money in terms of back and first goal scorer that season, I remember. Yeah. Because he was still classified as a defender. Um, right, let's move on to the play for both section. Mike, it's a bit shorter this week for once. So uh, here's what Dan has sent in. Obviously, he's not able to record today, but here's Dan's play for both. This week's uh, playing for both is uh, quite a topical one because he's been in the news this week. Uh, he was born on Merseyside and started his career at Everton. And he actually played for Carlisle as a low knee. It is Stephen Schumacher. 
he only played four games for us. I think he had a couple of niggles when he was here. And uh, he later left Everton without uh, making an appearance. And then he, he had quite a solid lower league career. He uh, he was at Bradford, uh, Crew, Fleetwood. Uh, Stevenage, when he joined them, he actually did his ACL, missed uh, about eight or nine months, which is uh, obviously a fair bit. And when he sort of wound up his playing career uh, in the professional game, he moved uh, back to Merseyside with, I think it was Southport for a season. And then he went into coaching alongside Ryan Law, obviously at uh, Berry and Plymouth. And then just this last week, uh, Ryan Law's left Plymouth for Preston and Steve Schumacher's... uh, made the step up for his first management job with Plymouth. So uh, all the best of luck to him. Uh, good club there, Plymouth. So that was this week's they played for both. There you go. He's jumped ahead to the x section already. Yeah. He's, uh, very well organised this week, Dan. Yeah, there Seamless you segue. Excellent. Uh, Stephen Schumacher, yeah. I mean, I remember him coming on loan and we'd be like, oh, we've got a player on loan from Everton. That's exciting. And yeah, I think he just struggled a bit with injuries. He was never quite fit. He never could quite get into the team and... Yeah, one of those ones who obviously went on to have a very decent career at lower league level. So there you go, um, Stephen Schumacher. Full list, Mike. I, I thought he was going to pick this one because he's, he's one that always fascinates Caravans. Tommy Black, a little bit before your time, I think. Um, he was on loan from Arsenal back in the 99-2000 season, right at the start of it, in August. He was a little tricky little winger with this sort of uh, typical 90s floppy hair, uh, you know, floppy curtains haircut. And he, he he was excellent. In the few games he played, he was really exciting. He would take players on. He would put crosses in. He scored a, a goal against Plymouth, I think, funny enough, in a in a four one win. And he was uh, really exciting. We were also oh let's get him on loan for the season. They get him in longer. And he went back after his month. And I don't think he. I think he played maybe a couple of games for Arsenal in the cups, and that was about it really. Um, I had, had an okay career. He went to Palace after that as well. Played a few games there. Didn't do much. Um, so yeah, Tommy Blacker. Uh, a man that we've mentioned a few times in this, along with another one we'll mention later on, Jamal Campbell Rice. I mean, if it's, if it's a lower league Southern club, you can probably put your money in it. This lad's probably played for them, hasn't he? Yeah, um, five hundred pound we paid for him. Astonishing. Was that, that more or less than your new tumble dryer? <laughs> None of your business. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Jamal Campbell Rice. Um, he's uh, yeah, he, he's played for pretty much everybody in the lower leagues, and like so we paid five hundred pound for him just so. Just so Barnett could say that we'd paid a nominal fee. Yeah. That's literally the reason why it was done. It's ridiculous. Uh, Canise Carroll, he had a spell there. And uh, like pretty much every spell he's had, he was, didn't do much. Um, Adrian Clark, we had him on loan from Southend. He was at Arsenal. He does a lot of stuff on Arsenal TV, actually. And a lot of, I think he did a bit of scouting for Arsenal as well. Um, Miguel Cominguez, yeah, less said about him, the better. Max Aimer, obviously still doing fairly well at Gillingham, I think, these days. I think he's mm. gone back there. Um, Paul Farman. We obviously famously first saw him at Stevenage in that game that we went yeah. to, didn't we? Where that bloke, throughout the whole game, we were just going, set up this whole second half when he was at our end going, Farman! <laughs> Literally, for the whole second half, every time. And it was, it was quite funny by then. It was just like, this is ridiculous, but it is funny. Um, I, think, I think it's the same bloke. Years ago, we had a pre-season friendly, I think it was, at Chester. Yeah. And while people were shouting stuff, like this bloke would just make a chicken noise. Just like, like people are shouting stuff and this yeah. bloke would go, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, yeah. well up, I'm well up for people doing weird stuff like that. Well, you know, if it wasn't for Carlisle United, these people would be on the streets on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. And, they, they, certainly would. they certainly yeah. would. Um, Joe Fryer, he had um, 
a spell at Stevenage as well. I mean, still not got a club, has he? Mm. A shame, not really. And that, that, it's, it's just a shame that leg break he had for us because he, he actually looked like a really decent keeper when we first got him in. Mm. Uh, Jordan Gibson didn't realise he had a loan spell there. Played six games and scored one goal in a half-season loan spell. So I don't know if he had an injury while he was there as well. That might be the reason. Um, so he might have a point to prove this weekend. Uh, Ryan Loft, he played, I think, nine games that didn't score a single goal for Stevenage in a half-season loan spell as well. Harry McCurdy, not an overly successful spell with them. Um, compared against his other clubs he's been at. Um, Junior Mendes, he was a, a, a mid, sorry, late 90s loan signing in the 98-99 season. I think he scored a few goals. I think he was on loan from St. Mirren for memory back then. I can't remember exactly when, but uh, yeah, decent little player he was. Um, Jenison and Myrie Williams obviously sort of hinted to him a minute ago, didn't we? Mm. It was always, it's one of those jokes, isn't it? You can always invoke the Jenison and Myrie Williams rule on this one. Yeah. He chances are, it's 50-50 chance he's, he's played for the opposition we've played against. Um, yeah. Stephen Schumacher, as Dan has obviously touched on. Harry Worley, the, uh, one of the one-game wonders. And uh, two of the Zeds, the two of the players who've, who've got Zeds in the name, uh, start their same name, who've played for us, have both played for Stevenage. Afrande Zanzala and the, the legend himself, Francois Zoko, the great man, the great mm. man. Well, okay, Dan, uh, sorry, Dan, Mike. <laughs> a bit weird, that. Um, Mike, let's, let's go on to the... Uh, Talking about current Stevenage then. So head to head wise, um, we've got the edge ten wins to Stevenage's eight with four draws in the twenty two times we've played each other. Um I don't know about you, like I I've always sort of viewed them as a non league club on loan to the EFL when they yeah, grew up. Definitely. But I kind of now sort of see them as an established league side, so it's it's quite ironic, isn't it, that they, they they look more likely than they ever have to drop back down to le- to the, the non league, doesn't it? It's, it's well, yeah, yeah. They 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 struggled in recent seasons. Haven't they? They, mm. I think one of the issues they've had is that new stand that was being built when we went. Um, I think that sort of really hamstrung them in terms of what they've been able to do in terms of squad building. And now that's built, I think they're looking to really try and kick on again, but it's just not worked so far, has it? Mm. Yeah, they've really struggled. They're very much a club synonymous with Graham Wesley down the years. Always tended to turn back to him when they're in trouble. But they haven't this time, have they? No. They've gone for a different man. They've gone for a man who, uh, like Wesley, he's a man generally synonymous with one club, albeit playing a more appealing brand of football, better behaved and certainly better dressed, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I can tell you that for definite as well because I saw Graham Wesley uh, in the neutral end at Fulham v Reading about seven years ago. I won tickets on that Barclays thing they used to do where you used to be able to win tickets every hour or something. Um, and he was in the neutral end and he, the scruffiest looking bloke I've ever seen in my life, like the scruffiest looking tracksuit and jumper. You think that that's a football league manager. What, what are you doing? Mm. Idiot. Um, so yeah, we're talking about Paul Tisdale. He, he took over, I think last week, wasn't it? I think he, he got the mm. job. They, 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 they were clearly targeting a decent level of manager, weren't they? Because they were after Steve Evans from Gillingham. Mm. So they, they were they were basically going all out with their appointment rather than, you know, inviting applications and then just picking some bloke you hope might turn out to be good. Yeah. Um, I'm not dropping any hints there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he sort of struggled to carve out a decent career though, hasn't he, since he left Exeter? Mm. It, it's difficult for someone like that though, isn't it? Because he's done such a good job with the Grecians, establishing such a good youth set up mm. there and, bringing few players and keeping them, basically building them into a solid club. It's difficult then to replicate mm. that at another club, isn't it? 
it's it's and I think Stevenage is an odd club for him in a way. Like I can't mm. totally see it being a match made in heaven. I, I do wonder though if it's a good club in a sense that it's a club that he can mould himself. He doesn't mm. have to worry about you know an established setup there and things like that. Some like MK Dons and Bristol Rovers. There maybe there was already sort of an established setup there. And it's, it's more difficult to, to to impress your ideas in it. Whereas Stevenage. He might look at it as a blank canvas and think, "You've set up wise. I can really get this built something I want it to be." And and you know, if I keep them in the league, I've got a chance then to actually mould a club here, a mm. club that's you know built a new standing. You know, can hopefully get more fans in playing good football. That's maybe the way he looks at it. I don't know. True. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, I think that hopefully that he can get that formula going. They had at Exeter and get them up the league. I think that's the aim. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird, isn't it? Because I mean, generally down the years as a club, they've they've sort of relied on getting players on loan from like Arsenal, and Spurs, and West Ham, haven't they? And mm. you know, bringing them for all cast-offs from those clubs, and it just doesn't seem to be quite the same now, does it? I mean, a lot of those players stay in under twenty football, under twenty three football for a long time, don't they? Yeah. The Although I think for Tisdale, I think location-wise, you'll find Stevenage a lot easier to deal with than uh, Exeter was. Yeah, I mean, he should be able to pick up players from a lot more clubs now, you'd think. You'd think so. Mm. Um, Starman, I picked out Scott Cuthbert. I mean, the reason why they've managed to keep themselves just about away from trouble the last few seasons is they've had a really good, strong defence. I mean, Farman kept a lot of clean sheets when he was there as goalkeeper. Last season, I mean, for a team right down near the bottom, their defence was ridiculously good. <laughs> they, weren't, mm. they weren't, like, getting battered by it. I think we were one of the few teams that really battered them last season, weren't we? Mm. Most of the games they lost were one one goal deficits. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the key things. Them I and mean, obviously Cuthbert, a thirty four year old former Swindon, late in a Luton defender. He's the club captain there, and, and he's, he's a big part of the reason why they've done so well defensively. And you'd imagine that they're going to be relying on him heavily again this season to to get them out of trouble. Um, in terms of the rest of the squad, I don't know if you've had a chance to look for it, Mike. But I mean, I've, I've picked out Luke Prosser's defensive partner as one of the key men as well. I mean. Bruno Andrade, Drade, sorry, he, he was a player who did really well at Lincoln and fairly well at Salford. It was quite a surprise he left them, wasn't it? I think to mm. to go Stevenage. He's not quite set the world on fire at Stevenage yet, but he'll no doubt be a threat. And Arthur he caused a lot of problems last season in the, the fixture down there. And I mean Jake Taylor as well was a quite a big signing from Exeter and something because I think Exeter wanted to keep him, didn't he? And he turned down mm. a deal there. Well. Not- that's the thing, and they've got um, Jamie Reed as well, who um, scored like thirty-two goals in a season for Torquay yeah. in the uh, National League South. A did did ago. work out for him at Mansfield, though, did it? But, no, no. Yeah. But because f- for me, on paper, they look pretty solid at the back, and they look like they've got a few players who can get goals. So it's weird that they are where they are in the league, to be honest. Yeah, they they really didn't build on the good second half they had to last season because last mm. season, I mean, I, I I predicted them I think as a dark horse. I seem to remember the summer because I thought yeah I did as well. They, they I thought they'll build on what they've done and they, they may well just, you know push themselves up the league. But truth is they've 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 disappointed if I'm honest. Mm. And um, they've obviously signed a keeper quite recently, Adam Smith. He was on trial with us as well, so maybe they've had some mm. issues at the back there. Maybe in terms of goalkeeper. But yeah, like you said, looking for I mean, Elliot List is another one again who's done really well in the past, mm. and yeah, they, they, they're not quite hitting the, the, the expectations you'd have for them, are they? I think it's fair no. to say. Um, current form wise, they're seventeenth in the last six games, League Two form table. United are twenty first, and their record recently is drawn, lost, lost, one drawn, drawn. So they're unbeaten in the last three. Um, 
One of those defeats was a 5-0 loss to Newport County, though. But bar mm. that, I think the rest of the other one was quite a narrow defeat. So so there you go. I mean, let's touch on United then now, Mike. Um, injury-wise, it, it's becoming a bit of an issue, isn't it? Mm. Injuries. I mean, we don't want to make too many excuses, but it is something maybe we need to get, give cut a little bit of slack to Milan to at least. Callum Guy is the latest one who, who, who now looks a doubt for this weekend's game. He tried to play on after picking up a knock against... Uh, Mansfield, but he ended up having to come off in the end, and um, yeah, it looks like he might well miss this trip as well, possibly. Um, Zach Clough, he's likely to be unavailable until the new year due to his latest knock, and latest knock is the key thing. Mm. He just is not finding any sort of rhythm or form this season, is he? And he, no. in terms of signings, he's got to be one of the biggest disappointments we've had for quite a while. Actually, it's, it's quite sad, really, that yeah, someone we was- had such big expectations of as well. Yeah, definitely. It was the definition of a marquee sign in the summer, wasn't he? And Absolutely. Yeah, like you say, just disappointing. Just, just hasn't worked. Um, yeah, um, so he's likely to be available to the new year. And obviously on top of that, Riley's out with his uh, shoulder injury again. That looks like hopefully not going to be as bad as, as we expected. I don't think it's as bad as what happened with um, George Tanner. So hopefully sometime in the new year he'll be back. Um, Lewis Alessandro, we're not sure on that one. It's a, we've been told it's sort of a long term foot injury, haven't we? So, mm. and again, he's one actually in a weird way we could really do with someone up, up front. I genuinely think him and him playing alongside Fishburne would, would not be a bad partnership because he'd mm. got a bit of Nelson experience. It would he'd be really useful to have right now, even if he's not really scored many goals this season. Mm. Um, Lucas Jensen again's out with his hand injury, and Josh Dixon as well seems to be still out. Um, one positive, Magnus Norman was fit enough to return to the bench on Tuesday against Mansfield, so he's uh, back Is that a positive, though? Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a decent enough backup keeper, isn't he? I wouldn't want him signed every week, probably, but he, you know, he, he's solid enough coming in for a few games, so, so there you go. Um, I mean, what changes do you make, Mike? It's just moving the deck chairs on the Titanic, isn't it, really? Yeah, I, th- I think it, it's, been, it's been a while since we've left someone out of the matchday squad, because yeah. we just don't have enough fit players. Um yeah, you say what that, can you do? Lewis Bell's been out of quite a few match day squads. The, the lad who Holdsworth banged on about how brilliant he is, and he and he can't make oh, match day squads. Yeah, and then the thing is, I, I, I'm, this is well, not yeah. me having a go at Lewis Bell. <laughs> this is me saying why is Holdsworth bigging him up to be something he isn't if he yeah. can't even make the match day squad. Mm-hmm. Be realistic with what you're saying. Yeah. There um, you go. But yeah, it's. I mean, if guys what? not fit, what do you do? Do you? Do you? I mean, hopefully Miller's now fit enough to start at the weekend. So that means you. Mm. Could, I suppose you could bump. Corey Whelan into midfield. Do you pay Corey Whelan and John Mellish? I wouldn't pay John Mellish in a midfield two anymore. I just no. wouldn't. If I was going to mm. do anything, I'd maybe look to go 4 3 3 again. Mm. And just say, right, let, let's just pack the midfield. Let's boss the midfield mm. that way. And let's then get it forward and play Sam Fishburn. I'd start Sam Fishburn. I'm, I'm, I've been on the fence on this one because I don't want to ruin the lad, but he looks our best threat up front yeah, <laughs> by, by a mile. So yeah. I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably go with. I mean, you back, you keep him back four picks itself. We know what that's going to be. Okay? Mm. I'd, I'd start Feeney over Whelan at centre back as well, um, and then probably go with midfield three of Whelan, Divine, and, and Mellish. Just pack it, mm. and then your front three. I'd have Fishburne down the middle, and then probably Gibson on the right, and then one of Dickinson and or Abraham's on the left. Probably Dickinson because I think he can whip across and that Fishburne will get on. I'd go with that. Mm. I'd go back to four three three because four four two, it's made us tighter, but it's not given us any goal for it. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. And I think well, look, playing that with Fishburne, giving Fishburne a bit more freedom to be the, the front man, could make a difference. 
Well, that, that was the thing the other night as well, wasn't it? Is that we sort of had Fishburne in the box, but we had mm. Gibson on the left cutting in on his right foot and Dickinson on the right cutting in on his left foot. And mm. you want to just be getting crosses into the box. Yeah. You know. That's what you want. That's what you mm. want. Right, well, I think that's enough of uh, talking about that bit. So let's do the match predictions, Mike. Um, Dan always goes first, and so let's play Dan. So let's see what Dan has sent in. Actually, thought we didn't play too bad second half uh, at Mansfield. Um, we just, well, we all know we haven't got the cutting edge yet. But you look at Stevenage, the one place above us, they don't score too many. This is a game we can win, so I'm going to go for one nil, and for the fish to finally break his duck, <laughs> and then go on the scoring run he's threatening to. Okay, so he's going for a one nil win at Stevenage. What are you going to go for, Mike? I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to go for a 2-0 win Ooh. with John Mellish Brace. Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, that would, I think that would be relating on us going to 4-3-3, or maybe Mellish playing up front. It might be the, the last... Yeah. The last. Like I said, we joked about it on the podcast, but it happened. Mm. He finally played up front against Mansfield, albeit towards the end when it was very scrappy. and mm. He wasn't really playing up front. He was sort of playing almost just off Fishburne, really. Um what am I going to go for? I can't see a win. I'm going for a 1-1 draw. I nearly went for 0-0. I'm going to go for 1-1. Try and be a little bit positive. 1-1. Um, Jordan Gibson with the goal. Mm. Doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> it's another another draw. Another keeping us down near the bottom. Um, okay, well, let's move then on to the X-Files section, Mike. It's a bit busier than it's been in recent weeks. It's nice to see a few more names in there. Um, one name that seems to be in every single week at the moment, Cole Stockton. He scored yeah. in Morecambe's 1-0 win over Bucks in the FA Cup. I don't know if you saw any of the footage from this game, Mike. No, no. But the conditions were appalling. And basically, it was live on the BBC. And half the game you couldn't see because the, the camera was all <laughs> wet and steamed up. It was ridiculous. Um, Ryan Bowman, I mean, as we've already said, he scored in the 2-1 win over us in the FA Cup. But he also scored in the midweek 2-1 defeat for Shrewsbury at Wigan Athletic. Um Another game that is appearing quite a bit at the moment, Angelo Balanta. The Colombian grabbed his sixth goal of the season in Dagenham's 3-2 win over Grimsby Town last weekend. Nick Anderton, he's, he's chipped in with a couple of goals this season already for Bristol Rovers. Uh, he grabbed the winner in Bristol Rovers' 2-1 win over Sutton United in the FA Cup. Um, Byron Webster, again, he's getting a few goals now for Bromley, <laughs> isn't he? Um, he's got a 90th minute win in Bromley's 3-2 win over Wilston. In the National League, uh, Nathan Buddle, that's a name we haven't heard for a while actually, mm. he scored an own goal for Spennymoor Town in their 2 0 loss at Gloucester City in the National League North. Yes, Gloucester City in the National League North. And ne- yeah. I'll never ever get over that, how ridiculously the way the, uh, the cutoff is for National League North because of the number of clubs. Um, what have we got next? Uh, Harry McCurdy. He got a consolation goal in Swindon's 4 1 loss at Leighton Orient uh, in midweek. Jack Sowerby, he scored in. Northampton's 2-1 win over Exeter City. Exeter have had a really drop-off in form, haven't they, since they played us? That mm. game where they beat us, I think they I think they've they maybe lost like three, three games or something like that, I think, in that time. Mm. Yeah, real drop-off. It, 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 it's weird for me that uh, Salby is playing, like, I, I, I thought he was, like, destined for sort of upper-end League One championship when he was yeah. with us, but... There Never quite go. worked out, has it? Um, Kedwin Scott, he didn't score in Gated's uh, game against Charlton in the FA Cup. He went close a few times, as did Adam Campbell in that game. Uh, but he did score in Gated's 2-0 win at York City in midweek. Um, Mark Cullen also scored in midweek. He scored in Hartlepool's 2-1 win over Rochdale, which was their first win in about five or six games, actually. So it's a really important one, that, for, for Hartlepool to get them away from trouble. 
I think Graham Lee's taken over as manager there, hasn't he? Um, mm. In terms of the other news, we obviously mentioned already that Stephen Schumacher's taken over at Plymouth Argyle. Uh, Danny Granger, he's now caretaker manager at Falkirk after Paul Sheeran's departure there. Uh, Tommy Wright's been a naughty boy. I think we all knew about that already. He's been banned from all football activity by coaching for the next six years by the FA due to the... I mean... If you want to know about it, Google it. I'm not going to go into the details of it now. Uh, and Charlie Barnes, an uh, uh, athletic, uh, he was named in the SPFL team of the week. So well done to Charlie. Um, and that's it, Mike. That's it for this week's show. Um, another bumper one. I think probably about a good 10 minutes of that is me ranting about David Holsworth as usual. So uh, <laughs> so there you go. Um, but we'll, we'll cover him in a lot more depth in our special on the club if he's still in, in any involvement in the club by then. Um yeah. And uh, yeah, I think in, in, f- thanks once again to our sponsors, Alden and Bunch, for sponsoring the second half of the show this season. Really appreciate that. Um, we'll be back uh, next week with a preview of the Bradford City game. Um, but what we're going to do for Christmas, we haven't quite worked out yet because there's three games come quite thick and fast, don't they? So we're probably going to do a, le- a very least a joint one for Rochdale and Salford. It's whether we do a separate one for the Scunthorpe game as well is the question we're going to ask, isn't it? Because it depends mm. on when we're all available to do that. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Mike, fans, once again for joining me. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, oh, wrong button. <laughs> Good start, that one. I'm trying to press the outro button. I'm press the intro button. Uh, it's been a long morning already, isn't it? Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, most importantly, up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.